Welcome to the Her God Speaks podcast special Tuesday feature called Hermeneutics Tuesdays. Yes, that's Tuesdays with an H, where we are seeking to become better interpreters of the Bible one 10-minute episode at a time. I'm your host, April Spears. Let's learn stuff together. All right, so there is a 100% chance I am going to ruffle some feathers today. Um, just be prepared, all right? <laughs> I suspect that you have heard, or if you're like me, you have said many times that the Bible is a love letter. It's a love letter from God. Now, the Bible does communicate God's love to us. Absolutely, without a doubt, that is an obvious reality for which I am deeply thankful, and I know you are too. However, when it comes to Bible interpretation, to answering the question, what does this passage mean? I'm not so sure the Bible as a love letter idea is all that helpful and might even be a hindrance. Now, I have no intention of trashing the idea that the Bible is a love letter, but I do want to intentionally disrupt that idea a little bit. I think it is really healthy to take our cute little slogans that we use and poke at them a little bit, kind of see what happens, (laughs) see what's left when we're done. That's what I'm doing here with love and with joy, with a smile on my face. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad that anybody uses the phrase, the Bible is a love letter. Like I said, I've used it a bunch of times. But I have thought of three reasons why the Bible is not a love letter. I'm gonna give you one today. I'll give you the other two next time. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see where, where the chips fall. We'll see. We'll do this together. All right. Number one, first reason why the Bible is not a love letter is a love letter is written to a person. The Bible was written to a people. Every love letter that I have ever received, well, that makes it sound like I've received so many love letters. <laughs> I ha- I haven't received a ton, but every letter that I've ever received or every love letter I've ever heard about was written for the one person, the beloved, right? All the love letters I have are written for me only. They are very personal in nature. The Bible is not The Bible wasn't written to me, it was written to us. In fact, where our English translations of the Bible say you, it is almost always a collective you. You all, or, you know, I live in Florida, so we're part of the South, we would say y'all. Y'all would be a more accurate translation. The words of scripture were intended by their authors to be received, heard, read, and lived out by the faith 
community. Even the Psalms containing some of the most personal, intimate words in the Bible are set within the Psalter, which sometimes we forget was Israel's corporate songbook that was used in public worship and prayer. So this practice of engaging the Bible all by myself in my personal quiet time in a way that is quite detached uh, and, and isolated from my local church community. Uh, it, it's certainly beneficial, no doubt, but it's not the main way that the Bible was written to be received. The Bible is fundamentally a we book, not a me book. It's something we were intended to learn and live out together as a community of people who are following the way of Jesus, which means, this is so important, if we read the Bible through an individualistic, me and Jesus is the main thing, me and Jesus is the main point, my personal relationship with Jesus is really the only thing that matters, we will completely miss so much of what the Bible is communicating. That's how verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, the famous verse, um, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future, right? That's how verses like that end up being kind of ripped out of context and plastered on coffee mugs and T-shirts and wall art and all the things, notebooks, <laughs> right? We read, we, we, we see a verse like that, and we're like, oh my goodness, beautiful. And we read it as some personal message to me because in the back of our minds, we have this mentality that this whole book I'm reading is God's love note to me, right? When in reality, that, that verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, and this, the verses that surround it, it was, it was a corporate message, for all of God's people exiled in Babylon. Now, God did know the plans he had for them. He would prosper them and not harm them. And of course, oh my goodness, what that reveals about God's character is so beautiful. But if you read the surrounding verses of that passage, he tells them it'll be 70 years before things start to look up. So if you want to claim that promise as God's love letter to you, as this like me and Jesus thing, that's fine. Go ahead. But you very well might be dead before it's fulfilled, much like many of the original recipients. You know, back in the day, there was uh, a big like conference thing called Promise Keepers for Men. I think a lot of us could probably join a group called Promise Stealers or Promise Hoarders. Um, goodness, any positive thing God says in the Bible, regardless of who he said it to, when he said it, why he said it. I mean, we might not even have a clue about that stuff. But man, we will hijack that thing and apply it to our own, whatever, our financial security, some big life dream coming true, finding the perfect husband, usually it's some kind of classic first world problem. And, and then we're like really upset with God when those things don't come to pass. And I think if he, if he were to speak audibly, sometimes he'd say, girl, that wasn't a you promise. 
That was a you all promise. Now, I want to be clear. I will always, always have a personal devotional life, whether you call it a quiet time or whatever, whatever you want to call it. I will get up in the morning. I'll make my coffee. I will sit with the Lord. Um, I will, I will think of it as sitting at the feet of Jesus. It will be my me and Jesus starting the day together. Um, I will always be open to receiving a, a personal word uh, from the Lord, gleaning wisdom for my life and my circumstance from the scriptures. I believe with all of my heart um, that, that the Bible attests to the fact that he knows and loves me as an individual, that he has numbered the hairs on my head, that if his eye is on the little sparrows, surely He watches over and cares for me. And just as David, as expressed in the Psalms, had this intimate, one-on-one personal dialogue with the Lord, I intend to do the same. Please do not hear me say anything differently. But when it comes to properly interpreting the Bible— understanding what a passage means, reading it in its both its literary context and also in its historical, uh, cultural context. My first question when reading the Bible, if I really want to discern what it means, cannot, absolutely cannot be what's in this for me. What is God's personal love note to me? If I do that, I will get it wrong every single time. Now, will I get it wrong to my detriment and demise? Probably not. This segment is about biblical hermeneutics. It's about establishing a a, um, reliable method of discerning what the scriptures actually mean. Not what we want them to mean, (laughs) but what what, what they mean. Uh, and so before, before I seek to discern what God is saying to me, I need to figure out what he's saying to us, right? What's the message of this passage for his people? One of the best ways to do that is, is to prioritize reading and studying the Bible in a community with other believers. That's so huge. All right. Well, that's all I have for you today. Next Tuesday, I will continue to be somewhat controversial and share two more reasons why uh, I believe the Bible is not a love letter. All right, you guys. Bye.